graver. May your hands always be busy. May your feet always be swift. May you have a strong foundation. When the winds of change shift. May your heart always be joyful. May your song always be sung. episode two and we just finished watching episode two of parenthood it's called man versus possum and we're gonna get right into the 60 second plot summary uh doug you want to count me in all right three two one go okay so there's a possum that adam's trying to get it's a big deal we'll we'll get into it more um they also find out that hattie it was her weed and uh, there's a whole trust thing about that. Ooh. Crosby's trying to bond with his son while also not telling his girlfriend that he has a son. And they're not really clicking. It's not really working. Um, Julia is struggling still with the whole mom thing and working thing. And she has an awkward uh, moment at the auction gala thing and is worried that her husband is is uh, fucking the hippie chip. Hippie, <laughs> the hippie, hippie chick. chip. And Sarah uh, tries to find a job um, and it's all messed up and uh, her dad's trying to help her. Her brother's trying to help her. She doesn't want any help. She wants to do it herself. And Drew and Amber have their first day at their new school and Amber finds out she's going to be held back but then Amber doesn't Five have to seconds. get held back. And yeah, that's it. I'm done. That's good. Okay. Summary done. So where do you want to start? Oh well, I have a, I have my notes written by characters. So I I will like to start with. Uh, I think the biggest, I, I guess there's like two big things going on in my opinion in this episode. The first thing is Max's diagnosis. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm worried. Like, put your notebook down so you're not blocking your voice. Oh. Yeah, I'm just worried about that. So. Okay, so so Max's diagnosis, and it, it's Max is not really, uh, he's in the episode, but yeah, he doesn't really take a prominent role in this episode. It's more about uh, how the diagnosis affects the parents, Adam and Christina. Yeah. So, so when Adam here's the diagnosis he tries to be very practical about the whole thing because uh, he wants to fix everything that's uh how a lot of guys are that's how i am i want to fix it and i don't think he understands what it really means he thinks it's just a temporary thing and that eventually he'll get over it and get out of it when he gets older um and and the doctor kind of let him know that this is not something you can there there is no diet uh, there is no what word am I looking for? There's no cure. Cure. Dr. For... Pelican says there's no cure for Asperger's. Yeah, so... It's he... something you have to learn to live with. And... Yeah, so uh, Adam tries to, you know, tries to obtain solutions from Dr. Pelican on how to get, um, how to get Max out of the pirate outfit at school. Right. 
but he realizes that's that's not going to be uh, a thing. Like that's not how it works. Well, yeah, and I think what he realizes is that even if he does get Max out of the pirate costume, there's still going to be something else to deal with. You know, yeah. they're, and they're, they are there's are they're already realizing there's a slew of things that are, you know, quote unquote special or different about Max. Like he's afraid of fire and. He's really into bugs and TV time. And so, yeah, I think that's another thing that Adam, I don't know if he's, at, I think he's starting to realize it at the end, but it's like, even if you get Max out of the pirate costume, that's, that doesn't solve Asperger's for him. And, and for Adam, that's, he sees that as like the problem that he can solve. So that's what he's fixating on is the pirate costume. But we see that, that he's on, he's on a thought journey as far as, what to do yeah um, I think whenever um, you know you never expect that you never expect a, a diagnosis like that for your own kid uh, and I think it really surprised them and it's still sinking in uh, yeah I don't think they told Hattie yet but you know when they had dinner Hattie was you could tell she's kind of over Max and just all the little quibbles that he he puts out there like she doesn't want any part of it she just thinks it's annoying but she doesn't know the diagnosis yet so i think when she does right. she'll she'll probably be nicer to her brother maybe um i think hattie's really important role in the whole like ecosystem of the the bravermans of at the adam and christina version of the bravermans because um she she's a very she's a chameleon kind of she plays the role of parent like you saw her do that dinner where she was like well maybe you could offer max extra tv time because christina and adam were kind of scrambling to figure out how to get him to try the potatoes and hattie already knew even before adam because adam was even like why how do you know you don't like it you haven't even tried it and hattie's like because it's not one of his foods so even though she's like kind of over Max, she understands Max, I think, better than both of her parents. Well, I think that is her being a teenager, well, yeah. just thinking she knows everything. She's being everything. sarcastic, too, about like, it's not one of his foods, but she has the, for lack of a better word, privilege of a different perspective, where she doesn't see Max as her kid, so it, it's it's almost, it's like a different perspective where she sees him more as a peer. And so she doesn't see him as something to fix or solve. She's just like, eat the fucking potatoes. and Or how about you just give him, I don't know really where I'm going with this. I just feel like it's interesting to see Hattie operate in the world of that house. You know, because she's clearly still a teenager. and But she's also, she has this parental way about her where she's almost smarter about dealing with Max than her parents are. In that and scene, And you see yes. that just in that scene, and I think but maybe the, you'll see it maybe. in other episodes. But in this episode, she was asked by her parents whether it was the weed, it was her weed that Adam found in their backyard or front yard, and she told them no. Yeah. And then the next day... She comes clean about she it. She comes clean about it, which, which I, I really like. Which is being a complete child. Like, yeah, she's... she's, she's to me, that's what, not a child. To me, that's no, no, being I mature. Mean, no, I mean just um, the part, the first part about her lying. Like that's we see her. Oh yeah, Hattie's not some sage, wise. No, you know, she's, teenager. she's she's a teenager. She's a teenager, so she's changing. She's a, exactly. She's growing and trying to she's become mature. Figuring out her role in each specific situation. Where yeah, and her role in at first was to deny, 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 and then she even said she'd go out. I couldn't sleep last night. Mm-hmm. So we see her character is like a very like. It, not character like oh her character all, all the Bravermans have great mo- character 
her moral stature is like of like wow I I can't lie to my parents moral fiber yeah her moral fibers and Um, she's becoming a beautiful woman yes Doug really has a big crush on Hattie yeah which is awkward right now since she's in high school yeah but in real life she's probably 18 in that show I hope I should probably be older than that. Anyway, well, moving on. Well, now she's on. like thirty. Um, Call me, yeah. Hattie. The the um, the quote that this is more towards the end, and maybe we'll talk about this more towards. No, the just end. talk about it now. But when Adam is talking to Christina about his frustrations regarding the diagnosis, and trying to like realize that oh, this is going to be something that we deal with for the rest of our lives, but. More, specific, more importantly, Max is going to deal with it for the rest of his life. And he's like, give me something I can fix. And so that really, that one line clearly encompasses what you were saying about like how Adam just wants to be able to fix it. He even admits to that. He's like, just give me something I can fix. And you, that you can really clearly see the Zeke in him too. That's like a very Zeke thing. You know, earlier in the episode, yeah, that's there's where he a scene with, yeah, which is interesting because Last episode, Adam made a big statement about how I'm not going to parent you the same. I'm not going to parent my kids the same way as you parent. But he still got a very Zeke way of going about certain things. And there was a scene earlier in this episode of of Zeke asking Adam, like, how's my grandson? What's the plan? What's the plan? We got to have a plan. So you see that coming through. And like you said, it's, it's like a stereotypical way of that male people have of dealing with things too which can be very good in certain situations but it can also as we see in this situation it kind of holds Adam back from fully understanding and when you can't fully understand something you can't fully deal with it which is why I I really see Christina shining in this whole episode as being just very open hearted empathetic and and she's she's the one in the end who talks Adam off the ledge she's like She's like, yeah, I I understand this about you that you're focused on solutions and everything. And she doesn't. I love that she doesn't like make that a negative thing because I think often women can turn that into a negative thing. We can. I know I've been before. I've, I've been like, I don't want you to fix it. I just want you to listen to my feelings. But I think it's it's important to not just like just like we want men to listen to our feelings. I think men should be validated for their for their um, desire to fix things. I think there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, there's you nothing know, wrong there's, with that. Just like it's something That's wrong. That's just our for, natural tendency. Yeah, just, it's just like nothing wrong for women to feel things deeply. So there's nothing wrong with any human being to feel things differently, d- deeply. But I, I love that Christina doesn't like, she doesn't like make anything negative about how like, oh, you always want to fix things and it's holding you back. Instead, she's just like, hey. Well, she does make the comment to Dr. Pelican. Oh, he's sorry. Right. And I'm sorry. I, I just thought that was funny. I, I just wondered like, is that just a product of them for being married for so long though? That I see your point that like, it's kind of like, she's kind of overstepping her boundaries, apologize for someone else, which doesn't really make sense. I like sense. that they add that in there though. Because it, it, it really does. It's realistic. It, it seems very realistic. But it also made me think. Well, what if it's just, yeah, it's, I, I, I still, I, I stand by your point that it's kind of inappropriate to apologize for someone else and it's kind of like codependent. But that's how they do things. But I also makes me wonder, well, maybe, you know, they've, they've been together since college. I think we, we, we don't know. know. We know that, but they've been together a long time. Obviously, they have a teenage daughter, so they've been married for a long time. Maybe it's even just that they've been married for so long that 
Christina knows that Adam is sorry, even though he doesn't know he's sorry yet. Like, so it's almost like she just knows. But anyway, just to wrap up my point, is that towards the end of the episode, she's not like, well, Adam, you need to just stop trying to focus on fixing things. She instead very lovingly says, like, I under, like, I get that about you, but here's the thing, is that you didn't hear all the things that Dr. Pelican said. You didn't, you might, you know, she's like, but I did, so I can remind you, like, I heard him say that Max is sweet and he's intelligent and he's full of potential and hope. And so that's where that womanly, motherly type of thing really shines in, in Christina as far as like her being able to see a, a bigger picture and, and not and not keeping Adam away from that bigger picture, like helping him to see the bigger picture too. Like, yes, I know that you want a solution and, and I know that's what's going to make you feel good right now, but that's not what this is all about. This is about seeing the whole child and seeing the whole and, and Adam finally got it towards the end. You well, know, yeah, Dr. Pelican that... said you need to meet Max where he is in the final scene. Adam is dressed up as a pirate just like Max and they're playing in the backyard. Yeah, it makes me cry every and time. And you cried. And you're crying right now. I'm not... I, he's lying. I'm not crying right now. So I want to ask you though, how would you feel if... if I mean, it's all theoret- uh, hypothetical. How would you feel if you had a, a young kid and it was he was diagnosed with something like this? It doesn't have to be Asperger's. Like a lifelong like, condition. Yeah, and I know, you know, it's just speculation and we might feel different if that was actually our kid. Uh, but I was just curious how you would feel. Is this because you want to talk about how you would just get rid of the kid? No, I say that as a joke. I but know. it's like... I obviously wouldn't do that, but there's... No, because there's, you would I, I think, bonded with the kid already. Yeah, but there's definitely, like, I think a part of everyone that has gone through that situation, not to get rid of the kid, but, like, what the hell, what the fuck is my life going to be now? Right. Yeah, you're going to take care of the kid because that's what you want to do. There's love there, but, you know, there's also feelings that you're putting back because you know that's not the right thing to do or the right way to think. So how would you how would you feel? Well, I, I can only answer hypothetically, but I'm pretty sure just knowing how I am as a person, I would I would probably throw a little bit of a temper tantrum at first, just because I one I know that long term that's what's healthiest for me is to just let myself feel all the feelings and just I would probably think that this is unfair, not just for me but for the kid too, because life is hard enough as it is just as a high functioning person if you don't have any disabilities or any differences from like whatever we categorize as normal and high functioning life is still hard no matter what so you know as a mother I wouldn't want any extra hardships for my kid and also for the at least for the first first 18 years and perhaps they're even beyond that it's hardship for me too and it's like I know for me uh, just by experience, you know, I know that being a mother is hard enough as it is, even with the kid who's quote unquote normal. So I'm sure I would like, it, it's a I'm huge... sure I would feel really, really upset and I would feel like it's just unfair and I'd be like, why me? But then once I like quote unquote got over that, I think I would hopefully try to take, try to see it more as, you know, the way Christina sees it as like, well, how is this? Well, like the back of my phone, the little sticker that even says I'm trying to see the gift in every challenge. Like I would try to see the gift in it because that is, even though, even if it's not how I literally live my life every day, it's my aspirational way to live my life is to see every person I come across 
as a potential teacher to see every experience that I experience as something that can teach me, even if I, and it's what, and that's what gives me more hope and joy in my life anyway, is to see things like that, not to see them as just like this hopeless, like, well, I just have to do the laundry and I have to go grocery shopping and I have to talk to this person at work, even though he's annoying me. Like it's, it gives me more hope and joy to see things as potential teachers. And so that's, or potential gifts. So that's how I would hopefully. Yeah. That's a better way to see the world. Yeah. And you know, that's, and Adam is definitely not seeing it that way at first. He's seeing it as just a problem that, and it's, he's almost seen it outside of Max. He doesn't see it as part of Max. He sees it as a problem that Max is carrying, like a backpack, when really a diagnosis like that, that's lifelong, that's a condition that you just have to adapt to, that does, it is part of you. I, I, don't, I don't know. I kind of can't speak to that because I don't really have any, well, I don't yeah, have I imagine, a condition like that myself. I imagine it is part of you because, you know, going down the road of having kids is, is a very large commitment, but then you have a, a significant diagnosis like this and it's an even bigger commitment because mm-hmm. now you have to be even more involved uh, long term, like past 18 yeah. also. Possibly, yeah. Most likely. Well, and we see that, we see... Adam and Christina are already becoming inundated by that. We see Dr. Pelican saying, like, the number... Inundated. Okay, I'm a reader, so sometimes I don't pronounce things the right way because I read them first. Inundated works just as fine. Yeah. Inundated. 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 Okay, fine. Anyway, Dr. Pelican says, you know, the number one difference for uh students students for kids with with uh, on the the spectrum are you know are the levels of to which their parents are involved in their life and then they go to dinner with the lessons and the lessons are like oh you're gonna need an ot and a pt you're gonna need to change the diet and all that so we see yeah like already like there's so many things it's overwhelming it's very overwhelming yeah yeah so they have no cards the lessons had no cards for everything from diet, even their own sex life, and the sex life because it takes such a huge time commitment to take care of a, of a kid with Asperger's that they have to schedule Tuesday sex. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mr. So Lowe, that's what I'm isn't saying, it though. Tuesday? Oh, he's an animal. It affects every aspect <laughs> yeah. of your life, like almost indefinitely. Like the, then they talk about the gluten-free pasta, and they're like, "Come on, just stay for the gluten-free pasta. You're gonna have to get used well, to the it anyway." Well, the thing is, though, that this episode was like made in 2008, so it's different now. Right. Like, now, there's gluten-free so many gluten-free so options, and it's more mainstream. Yeah. Everybody like likes gluten-free pasta now. Not everybody. I mean, there's good gluten-free pasta out there now. I feel like people that listen to this are probably more into the gluten-free pasta than... Oh, yeah? You know our audience. But it's not the general population. I, th- I think that that's... Well, the yeah, there's only like four people listening, so we know those four Hi. people. Hi! Shout out to uh, Ethan! <laughs> <laughs> and my parents. <laughs> <laughs> and us, because we listen to it afterwards. <laughs> okay. Um, I kind of want to say one more thing about Adam, since we are talking about Shoot. that... Since we're talking about that section of the Bravermans, Adam and Christina Braverman, um, which is the possum. <sighs> so the opening scene of this episode is Adam waking up in the middle of the night. And there's clearly, there's clearly already some sort of uh, relationship between him and this animal. And he's like, he's back, and he like runs out in his underwear up in the garage and finds the possum and but then the possum escapes him and it happens like several more times over the episode 
and he even talks to his dad about trying to find the possum and all that stuff. And he even says towards the end, like, because his dad, which his this was surprising to me that Zeke was like, we'll just hire an exterminator because Zeke seems like the kind of yeah, person that was who a little not, odd. That was a little off character, uncharacteristic. Yeah, that was bad writing there. Um, but it allowed for Adam to say, well, I don't, I can't hire an exterminator because it feels personal. It feels like this asshole is like coming up and like letting us know every night I'm back and getting me out of bed and it's personal. Well, like. So what do you think? What what's with the possum? I think it's a I metaphor. Don't know. It is a metaphor, but I don't know for what yet. Like I said, I, think I don't remember. I it's a metaphor for Max's diagnosis, or it's just a metaphor for how Adam is feeling during Max's diagnosis. Could because they're, before they got the, he, I, it could be he feels like out of control over right. not just the diagnosis, but maybe other parts of his life. Because remember the first episode, like he was just so busy, he was, he was helping so everybody. Yeah, and so this is him. Finally, controlling something, or trying, to. trying to control something by capturing this. Possible. Well, yeah, we see that's the big idea that gets uh, hammered throughout this whole episode is that Adam wants to be able to fix something. His daughter is is apparently smoking weed now, like the, the sweet angel Hattie. His his son, Cutie. who's already had you know some issues with school, now has this diagnosis that seems. So, you know, sometimes, I feel like sometimes when you get a diagnosis, you're like, oh, yes, I know what's wrong with me. I can better <laughs> equip. I can better fix. I can better fix myself. Oh, that's this not how I look at things. This diagnosis. Well, I, I think that that's, I don't, I've never had, I've oh, never. Oh, I have stage four cancer. I, I know how to deal with this. No, but it's more like, okay, now you guys get to see in live, in person, when Doug doesn't understand something that's perfectly valid that I'm trying to explain to him. Say... I'm trying to be funny. Okay. I have the perfect fucking example for you, Mr. Wise Guy. When you found out that you were allergic to cats, mm -hmm. how did that make you feel? Ah, you got me. I got you. It made you I feel... Oh, like, sorry. I'll let you answer. I felt like finally I found what was, what's been wrong with me, why I've been having such a awful time breathing and clogged nose for years exactly it was good to put a rest to it yeah and avoid that allergen and so it was a very uh, gosh like i don't think we even have the time to get into this it, this was a very painful experience because it led us to have to rehome our cats and it's something that i'm i'm still dealing with you i think you had a little bit easier time getting over it because you were able to actually feel that relief from not having the cats yeah my so, health improved so that, even though it's not necessarily a diagnosis, it was still a medical answer to medical problems. So True. Good example. Thank you. Um, so, But I feel like that's not what's really happening with Max's diagnosis. I feel like their di this diagnosis is becoming even more of a burden. Like, now they can't pretend that his pirate thing is just a temporary thing and his cockroach infatuation is, is a temporary thing. Now they realize these are smaller parts of a bigger puzzle that's going to be with him for the rest of his life. So I think this diagnosis is more of a... Like a big, I don't know why I keep coming back to backpack analogies, but it's like a big backpack he has to carry instead of a lifting off. Um, so I think, oh, to get back to yeah, to the possum, I think that the possum is just something that Adam feels like he should be able to control, and he's reacting to it so strongly because there are so many other wild cars in his life right now that he just wants to be able to catch this goddamn animal and put it out of its misery. Well, the animal's not miserable. The animal's. I don't running. even think he ends up trying to kill it. He's just trying. No, to he's trying to get trap it, it and get put it somewhere else. And I don't. I don't services. know. What do you do with the with possums? Well, how know. do you spell possum? 
Well, isn't it like O P O S S U M? But like that's what the, I thought. But the name of this episode was a P. Yeah. So, but that's. But it normally is, it, and it's isn't it pronounced opossum? No, it's pronounced possum. It's so just silent O. Silent O. How many silent O words are there? I think that's the uh, title of our episode. <laughs> <laughs> How many silent O words are there? Um, so yeah, I just wanted to make sure we talked about the possum because that just made me feel really smart, like thinking of it as a metaphor. I was like, oh yeah, it's a metaphor. Well, it's definitely a metaphor. Because there's for no something. other reason for this possum to be well, in this episode. I'm sure other it than comes. It being a does meta- it come back in a future I don't episode? Think so. I don't think so, but we don't know. Well, that. then why would they throw that in there if they're not gonna like? Uh, because it has to do with it. Max's diagnosis. They need to conclude what it is for idiots like us that don't get it. <laughs> Okay, I'm just, uh, since we don't have a producer that to take notes for us. Anyways. Hey, Johnson, can you write this down? How many silent O words are there? Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we, we do have a producer. His name is Johnson. I, th- I think the second biggest story oh, yeah. in this episode was the whole Sarah trying to get a job and follow her passions. Um, there's a lot of people linked into it because... Sarah's trying to apply for a job as a bartender, I think, and Zeke you know, sees it over her shoulder on the computer, and and he goes on the computer and goes on Craigslist and tries to find her like an advertising slash designer type job, and then Zeke shows up at Adam's office to ask Adam to put in a good word for Sarah at uh, a company that somebody that Adam knows works at. And so right. Sarah goes in and gets an interview, and she thinks that the whole interview was because of her previous work, and that they actually like really loved her work, which they did love her work. Yeah, but they she did. she would, would not have even been there if it wasn't for Adam putting in a good right. word for the it's interview. It's a bummer. And then it seems like she's going to be getting the job because the interview went really well. They said we really love your work here, and we think you'd be a good fit. And then later that day, that interviewer calls Sarah and says, sorry, we, we're, we're not going to hire you. Because of the higher-ups. Yeah, Yeah, the, because the it wasn't, it wasn't that guy was to totally make the decision. It was up to his yeah. boss and his boss. And he had to get boss. it cleared with his bosses, and they didn't clear it because... And so Sarah takes it very hard because she thought she was doing something on her own and that the purity of her good work was the reason she got this interview and was about to get the job but uh, she finds out finds out that Adam was part of it and stuff like that. So she gets very upset, and then she picks up her kids at school, and she kind of takes it out on the kids. Yeah. Um, Amber had a very bad day because she gets uh, brought down one one grade in school from junior to sophomore again. Right. And uh, so she had a bad day, and then Sarah kind of blows it up in 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 the car with Drew and Amber. Well, it's not Which is, just... That's a bad mother. Right. It's, well, it's... That's let's just not, being a bad mother. Let's just say that she's having a moment of bad motherhood. Let's not put her in a box okay. of being a bad mother for the whole But I'm saying like life. at 38... Because let's, let's, let's realize that people can do shitty things and still be good people. Right, but at 38 years old, you should like know to contain yourself right. in that situation with your kids. I know. Who just started at a new school. Yeah, and but also just to, again not supporting Sarah necessarily here, but there's all we also see in that scene the unresolved conflict of what happened with Amber and Hattie in the weed in the last episode because that's what Sarah brings up too, like blah 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 and you and your weed and blah 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 like so there's that too which again that's on Sarah as the parent you have to figure out well, how yeah, to you, resolve that and not just keep 
stabbing her in the gut with it it's every like, time it's you like get a mad. Talk, it's like, a, oh, reminding her, by the way, oh, yeah, you smoked weed behind my back and I can't trust you. It, like, it's very toxic. Have a conversation about it and resolve it. Um, Drew's in the backseat crying again almost. Right, yeah, Drew's and like, Drew didn't do anything. Drew's like, go. can we just go? And she's like, no, no, we need to talk about that. I thought they were going to get in like, a car accident. I thought she was going to do like a quick pull out uh, and be- before she looked behind her. If it wasn't a good written TV show, then that's what they would right. have done. Yeah, for uh, glorification's sake to just glorify. But the writers of this are very good. Yeah. They're really good writers. Um, but yeah, I I see myself in her in that moment because I I used to be and still am sometimes like very reactive depending on if, if there's some kind of inner dialogue going on in my own brain about something and somebody asks me a question and like I'm having a bit I could snap at them you know and luckily for sure I've really worked on that like I like I feel like my meditation and just like the different things that I've been working on as far as like processing my emotions and like observing myself from a non-judgmental place that made me a lot better about that but I know there were days like you know as a teacher that I was more like impatient with my students just because of something maybe going on between you and me or something going on with like me and a friend that was unresolved. Of course. So yeah, but but yeah, you would hope that I, I, when you get to the age 38 and you have two teenagers, you would have well, kind of figured out how to do that in a little bit. Yeah, early. to me it's like not even age. I, I mentioned age because yeah, that is part yeah. of it, but it's your kids. It's different than your students. Right. These are your kids and you're molding them to It was just really bad timing because you literally just got off the phone with that guy and they come and, and it's, yeah, it was just really... You need to separate it. You need to separate it. And don't bring in your kids. You know who does that really well is Julia. It's like she, even though, yeah. even though like the way that she's doing motherhood is not the way that I would choose to do motherhood. And I'm privileged enough to like have, you know, have that choice down the line to like not have to work and whatever. So even though like that's not my ideal life, I still like see she does a really good job of it. You know, that's what she's chosen to do. At least for now, we can speculate on whatever, but like. She's making an effort. Maybe she's not even doing a really good job, but she's making an effort to really, like, be fully present with her daughter when she is there. And you see, like, her and Joel are kind of, like, in the middle of a, not really a huge fight, but just in the middle of, like, a discussion. And then Sydney comes there and she drops everything. And she's like, I've got 18 minutes. I think that's really admirable because I think that, you know, you can be a stay-at-home mom and still not be good at being present with your kids. So to have that skill set... Of just being present is like really. Well, she, yeah, she's a lawyer. I feel like she probably learned that at her job. She has yeah, to maybe. be on time and she has to be there. Like, and like really, that's what makes her a good. That's what makes her a good lawyer, and it's what also makes her a good mom. So, but then it was funny when at the auction when they were bidding on uh, the parking spot, and uh, Julia makes the comment to Raquel, not to Raquel, not to Raquel, but to, Raquel. To, to Zeke. But she has the microphone in her hand, and so she says. What did, what did she say? Well, exactly? there. Let's set the scene here because maybe you know not everybody is watching along with us. Should be. Um, well, whatever. No shoulds. But um, Julia and Raquel are in a bidding war at this auction for Sycamore Charter. They're in a, they're in a bidding war for this VIP parking spot, which is highly relevant because of the exchange that they had earlier in the episode at the drop off line. So Julia's like, "Yes, I want my own." I want, yeah, I want my own parking spot so that I can more easily be able to drop off my daughter's school and still make it to work on time and juggle those two things. Um, and Raquel comes out like a like a like a white horse or a black horse. What is it called? A like dark horse. The dark horse in the race. Like later on, later on in the auction, she's like seven hundred. After Julia thinks the parking spot is hers, and so they get up to like fifteen hundred, and Zeke. 
says to Julia, "Oh, what's wrong with what's her? What's wrong with this woman? Like, what? Basically, like, why is this? Why is this thing that's supposed to be raising money for your daughter's school? Why is it all of a sudden seem so personal and so vindictive?" And Julia's like, "I know she doesn't even work," <laughs> and which is just. It was so awkward. It was so awkward and hilarious because the whole, everyone saw it. And I feel like, I think, I don't even understand why Julie's, I think maybe Julie was like, why are you bidding that high when you don't even Well, yeah, work? that's why she like, said it. Where are you going to get that money from, Where are you getting $1,500 from? Yeah. You're not, you're but the thing is, is that she doesn't Joel, have a husband. And, Joel and Julia's household isn't a, isn't a two-income household. Yeah, but she, Raquel's not with anybody. I think Raquel is with someone. No, I remember she tries to get with Joel maybe in the future. Maybe in the future. You should keep maybe in the future out of it. Well, we um, saw it in this episode. Yeah, that's, yeah we don't... What we know for sure, Raquel is that hugged and kissed Joel in Joel's kitchen. Doug is in very front upset about that. Of his wife it's very Julia. Appropriate. So it happens. Yeah, and then she's teaching their daughter Mandarin. But anyway, yeah, we. I guess we suddenly like. It's weird because we all all these things Julia. like like about Raquel. It's like they're they're like admirable qualities. They are, but she's so annoying because. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I'll I'll let you finish. No, they're 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 like hippie type qualities, right. but like she's teaching her kid like a different language. They're baking. She's there when you know the real mom is not even there. Right. And uh, she just seems like she's it's good but, stuff. Yeah, that's the thing is that Raquel seems like a really great person aside from her passive aggressiveness. Yeah. At, because like she's super passive aggressive, like oh Sydney, let's go or let's go Harmony. Sydney's mom is here, and Sydney never gets to see her mom. So <laughs> let them have time. Like that's a bitchy thing to say. Oh yeah. And then the whole thing, like you can't preach peace and love and be like, oh yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm I'm love and light, and then like cut somebody off in the drop off line at school. Like that's it doesn't. She's not living and she's not living in line with what she says her core values are. So yeah, that's yeah. what Raquel. That's what drives me crazy about Raquel. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, uh, going back to Sarah, remember we were talking about she didn't get the job, but it wasn't just because her higher-ups didn't like her. It was because she didn't have a college degree. She didn't have a college degree, which, you know, away from the show for a second, that's stupid. Yeah. But it's what it is in 2019. It's reality, yeah. You get eliminated from any jobs, even if, like, you have a a, a great portfolio. portfolio. Oh, it doesn't doesn't even matter because you don't have a degree. Yeah. So you... it, it's 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 stupid, and I hope we can get this goes we can back to like when go we were past about, this in the when future. We were talking about what, what was it Friday when we were walking we when we were walking in D.C. and we were walking past the World War II Memorial. Oh, you Memorial, mean when we traveled? When we traveled um, to go see Eric Church, um, like we were talking about how like yeah, back in the eighteen hundreds there weren't jobs like there, there well, weren't jobs. You didn't have to worry about college degrees. And like yes, it's great that people get education now. Like I'm glad that I can go and like see a doctor that has an MD, you know, like, and, and is fully qualified to, like, certain things. help me. Yeah. There are certain things. But, yeah, like a fucking graphic design job that you, you have, have, have a portfolio a degree? for. What the heck? But, see, that that's what it is. A bachelor's the, degree just shows that you can do something for four years. And that, that's, that's, it, it it's does a, show it's something. It's an important signifier it does in show today's some, world. But it I shows think, commitment but to I think something. It does. But, uh, but uh, even uh, more uh, than that, the interviewer loved... Her work, yeah, but which should trump he was young and he was low on the totem pole, right? But that should trump any any degree, any other credential, because the job is doing that work. It's that doing that work, she's, she's already she shown that she can do that work. And this wow, is like, look at you supporting Sarah. But this happens like almost everywhere. Like over ninety yeah. percent of every job you apply for, it's like that. And that's and that's why, yeah, it's really the whole like apprenticeship program. I really hope that like makes a comeback and like, maybe it will. I think it is in the trades, you know. But and then we need to just give the trades a whole like fa- uh, makeover, you know, because people see the trades as something that 
people who aren't book smart go to do, you know, and that's such bullshit. Like we need electricians and we need plumbers. You can actually we, make a lot of money as an really electrician. Good, you can make a really good living doing that and make a you better living than us. You also not be in student, student loan debt. Um, but yeah, so there's so much shade thrown at the trades and you know, that's certain people are working to change that, you know, and I just hope that it continues on. I'm kind of not, I don't really know enough about that world to talk about it that much, but I just know that. Um, okay. Anything else? Oh, that was the that was the laundry. The laundry stuff. Anything else about um, Sarah you wanted to talk about? Sarah, no, I crossed out everything there. I do want. I do have something to talk about with Sarah. Oh, okay. I just something interesting that I noticed. Um, kind of a callback to something that we noticed in the previous episode, where there's this chain of Sarah ends up doing the same thing to her kids that other people are doing to her. Mm. Remember, remember us talking about that? Like, um, yeah, basically, what's the example of this episode? Well, it's a different, it's a flipped example. It's a positive example. Ooh, it's an so, inversion. Yeah, so I can't even remember the specific example from the last episode, so I feel kind of bad even bringing it up. But it was something to do with like... Well, people can watch Sarah, episode one. They can listen to episode one. Listen, um, listen, listen. Because we don't have a YouTube channel yet. Yet. Yeah, yet. Um... <laughs> Where, yeah, like, Sarah is casting judgments and aspersions, like, on her kids the same way that it's been done to her. And we see, like, oh, and it was the whole, like, if you don't recognize a cycle, you can't stop a cycle. You know, if it's a harmful cycle, you really have, it comes back to intention, right? Well, I noticed a much more positive cycle happening in this episode between the same three players, Zeke, Sarah, Amber. And it was a, it was a cycle of advocating so we see, you already mentioned this already, I'm just connecting the dots, where Zeke really goes out of his way to advocate for Sarah. First, he's pressuring her, and, you know, we can say maybe that pressure is a little bit problematic where he's getting all up in her grill about, like, you know, but it's really, it comes from a place of good intention where he believes that Sarah is meant to do more with her life than just sling drinks, and that's, you know, that's that's great that he has a vision for her, even if she doesn't have it for herself yet. Millie! <laughs> That's going to be my thing. I Why just, the fuck would you just do that? I just that? randomly yell Millie, just like Zeke does. Well, we haven't gotten to that part in the series of him doing that. Oh, I can't so you wait. Can't do I'm going to do that once. Millie! Once per episode, just randomly. Okay, well, catch your you once per episode is done. Yeah. Um, so anyway, and we see him go, like you already mentioned, he goes to Adam and is like, hey, can you put in a good word with this guy at Pantheon to get her an interview or whatever? And we see that that ultimately doesn't result in anything except it kind of does it gives it gives Sarah like a moment of validation of like oh your work really is good even though she didn't end up with a job but then Sarah does that same thing for Amber um when Amber tells her when Amber tells her like I'm you know you brought me here to this new high school and now I'm not even going to graduate in time I have to go back and do my sophomore year over again and it blows and blah 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 and I hate you and all that stuff and then Sarah after she after she gets over her own personal drama of not being able to get that job she goes in and talks to the principal and is like it's very, it's very, it's very potent and powerful moment because she's, she's really putting herself out there. She's like, I know you don't know me, you don't know Amber, 
But the thing about Amber is that, you know, she just hasn't been given a, a fair great shot. Point. Again. Just like Sarah, in some ways, not, maybe hasn't been given a fair shot because of her own choices, I too. I think this but, is intentional writing. They definitely do well, this. Well, yeah, it's very intentional. And we're just now our third time watching it. Well, your second time. My, no, your third time. My fourth time? Not that, my third time. It might be your fourth time. Um, so, you, that's called yeah, a Toyota Cor- Corollary. Okay. We're... We're noticing these things because we we don't have to. This is why um, this is why rereading is important because when you read something for the first time, you're more you're focusing on the plot and the character and just basic surface things. And then when you go back and reread something, you're able to make those connections. That's exactly what we're doing just with a TV show, not reading. So we're rereading Parenthood. But what I'm seeing the connection is yes, yeah, Sarah's doing the same thing for Amber that Zeke did for her, really advocating strongly in a way that might even you know. It's it's probably you know kind of annoying to the principal and Sarah even says she's like I know you don't I know the last thing you want is just another parent in here asking for special treatment, but Amber you know has not been given a fair shot and I moved my family here I moved back in with my parents to give my kids a, a shot at a better life because I believe that you know they they deserve it and they're capable of it and I believe in Amber and what I'm asking is for you to believe in Amber too, and it's- that whole speech results in Amber being able to move up back up to junior It's kind of weird, though, because Sarah doesn't recognize, um, like, she recognizes that she's helping Amber because she's helping her, but she doesn't recognize that, like, Adam's just doing the same thing yes. for her. That was something she, else she I She doesn't recognize about. it. There's, yeah. And she just thinks... She kind of is upset. She's mad. She's, she's upset mad about it, which I think is a is a very flawed reaction to yeah. someone trying to help. But it's also just a... It's, a, it's an honest reaction, too. Like, if you well, yeah. found out... Oh, I only got that interview because my big brother called. I would it's be kind mad of, initially, she's, but then she's you feeling would, shame. You yeah, know? but then after that, you'd be like, "Oh, well, that's my big brother trying to, to help right. me." <laughs> and this that's is, the, this is great. You have to, and again, it comes back to intentionality. You have to be intentional about recognizing what you're feeling and why you're feeling it, and then why someone else might have done that for you. You might think it's like. She interpreted the you know, wrong. She, she was like, "Well, you just let me know the next time, so I don't." Because she felt shame about it and. Initial reaction. Well, she definitely shame. she feels shame. You lash out at people sometimes. She probably feels shame also for moving back in with her parents. Well, yeah, there's a whole lot and going on. She's there. trying to like dig herself out of this hole, and she wants to prove to people that she can do it. Yeah, and there there's a lot that Sarah she lacks can do it by right herself now. without any other input. Yeah, there's a lot that Sarah lacks right now. She, you know, her kids are they're not like straight A, straight laced kids. They're definitely weird and and a little bit troubled, which. Makes sense. They're her kids, after all. You know, so her kids are giving her problems. She doesn't have a significant other to lean on. She doesn't have any sort of dating life whatsoever, which... What about Krasinski? Well, that was, you know, that was just like a fling thing that... And and I think it's the appropriate decision for her to make at this time, too, to focus on her kids and her career. But, like, there's a lot she doesn't have right now. So there's a lot to, you know, categorically feel shame about. And so you really have to be intentional in not feeling the shame because the default reaction would just to feel shame about, well, I checked my husband and my ex-husband into rehab and I moved him back in with my parents and my two kids are kind of screw ups and I believe in them, but nobody else does. There's a lot not happening for her. That's true, 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 true. So what about Crosby? Oh, I just I have we something have, here. Crosby is the one we have not been talking about. Yeah, because it's that's building up. It's like a yeah, very a gradual storyline, but it yeah. gets really good, right? Yeah. Uh, I have don't a, know. Does it get really good? I don't know, no. but I have a problem with what Jasmine is requesting of Crosby. Yeah. She's requesting that Crosby has a relationship with Jabbar. 
after she just shows up at his doorstep after five years and nine months yeah. of not seeing him. Yeah. I, I don't think it's a fair thing to, to ask. Or at least you shouldn't ask well, it the I way she that, did. I think that Jasmine is getting away with it because she is framing it as something for her son. I complete. I I completely agree with you that I think I think we even talked about Maybe. this. La- we talked about this last episode where, like, she reveals to Crosby that Jabbar is her is his son while Jabbar is there, which is a completely fucked up, inappropriate thing to do for your kid. And she's using her kid to justify asking Crosby for things that she honestly should have asked a long time ago. And again, this story is building, and we'll see her side of it and, and what really happened more as we move along. But yeah, I think that I, I agree with you that, that Jasmine is not necessarily handling this the right way. And the reason that she's getting away with it is because she's like, well, Jabbar is getting to the age where he's asking about his dad and all that. And like, and they move back to town and everything is kind of like lining up. It's a little bit unclear about like, well, does Jasmine want to restart a relationship with Crosby? Or you know, she's just like, I would love for you to have a relationship with Jabbar. And if I was Crosby, I'd be like, well, what, where, why the fuck? You never gave what, me a why chance didn't you tell me five all years these ago, years. You know? Maybe I wanted to be a father from the start. Yeah, but which he didn't really. But, you know, that's besides the point. Because, yeah, she didn't, she didn't contact him until basically she doesn't want to deal with Jabbar's tough questions of who is my dad. So instead of instead of her, well, well, we're assuming because maybe she tried to explain yeah, maybe to she him. Did just say, oh, he's some, you know. But maybe whatever. Jabbar's like, well, you know, I still want to know him. my dad. Yeah, and so like, yeah, she's basically, but she's still kind of bypassing and she's pushing all of that just on to Crosby. That's instead not fair. Instead of explaining to Jabbar, like, well, I didn't, t- I didn't tell your dad about you. Um, she's just, she's just like, hey, Crosby, you and Jabbar should get together this weekend, and it's a struggle because Crosby won is still trying to process the fact that he's a father. And two, he's not a father to this newborn that, you know, you can bond with by, like, you know, skin-to-skin contact or whatever. He's he's trying to become a father to this five-year-old who... Is a different race. Fully well. <laughs> well, yeah. That's all. That also adds another complexity. His son is biracial, so that's a whole other thing. But he's five years old, and like you have a pretty fully formed personality by that point. Oh, like yeah. you have a lot of things left to learn, but like your personality is pretty much formed at that point, and like, and so Crosby can't just swoop in as this like heroic dad figure and have Jabbar bond with him, and we see the struggle. Where Crosby is trying to just joke around and be funny with him at breakfast and be like, well, how's your dating life and what's your car like? And Jabbar's just being very straight, like, I don't have a car. I don't have a license. What are you talking about? I don't like pancakes. I like waffles better. So He like, doesn't get dad jokes because he hasn't had a dad. Nothing is really landing. Any Everything that Crosby is throwing is landing far away from Jabbar. Nothing mm-hmm. is really gelling. Nothing's landing. Also, there's the whole fact of Katie. Yeah, he lies to Katie. Katie hurt his quasi, quasi engaged to quasi fiance Katie, who like she wants to go on a trip. They've agreed to have a kid together in three years, Katie. But yeah, Crosby um, uses uh, his nephew as a way to get out of the weekend. It's like I can't. Can't can't go away with you this weekend because Max might have Asperger's, <laughs> but that ends up being that ends up like turning Katie on. Katie's like, oh, I'm so glad, I'm so happy to hear you talking like this. You sound so responsible. You're gonna make a great father one day. When like literally three minutes, he ago, is a father now. But he is a father. Literally three minutes ago, she was like, did you get back with that bimbo Brandy? I'm sorry. 
I've done a lot of stupid things with men in my life, but I would like to think that I would not be in a relationship with someone who I thought was going to start a relationship with someone else while still in a relationship. Like, if you're having those thoughts, if you're like, if that's the first thought you have when Crosby's like, something big is going on, and your first thought is, oh, you're back with that bimbo Brandy? (laughs) You should not be having a child with this man. You should not have plans to have a child with this man. That is bad. You're making us all look bad, Katie. You're making women look bad. We should just rename this episode the Bimbo Brandy. (laughs) That's a good name, too. Are you back with that bimbo Brandy, or you're making us all look bad, Katie? No, no. Okay. Shut shut down. Anyways, uh, that's pretty much all I had. They had the scene where they were all smoking weed together after the show. I like I like scenes like that where well not not because the weed I like the four <laughs> you, you love drug acts <laughs> I love it when they're smoking up no um, I know what you're saying it's the like the brothers and that's sisters when, are together that's when <clears throat> things start that's when like the the episode theme like gels or comes out and like and it really actually seems see like well and Christina they're good was there. actors because it seems like that like they're they are siblings and they right. are doing this. And they're just having fun, and they're trying to just relieve themselves the of some of the, the yeah. stresses because uh, you know they just got diagnosed. Max just got diagnosed. Everyone's got problems, and then they're just kind of <laughs> episode title. It's great. Uh, it's, it's a great scene, and then uh, even uh, even the mom Camille. Oh, Mil- Millie! Sorry, everyone. Only once per episode. Yeah. Even Millie is, uh, oh, are you guys smoking weed? And then she just laughs. You yeah. Know? It doesn't matter. Well, she's she's a hippie. Like, she, you know, she, she they're, they're in Berkeley, San Diego, That's California. That's true. But apparently back then it wasn't legal. Or well, something. it wasn't legal back then, but that didn't, like, Camille and Zeke, well, Zeke went to war, but Camille was more of like a hippie, Hi- arty oh. person, you know? Like, that's... Oh, That's, Camille's art, okay. Yeah, oh God, Camille's art is a whole other thing. The only other thing I wrote was, uh, I wrote Jolskis, you know, that's how Raquel <laughs> refers to Joel, and Julia oh, doesn't Jolskis. like Jolskis. And then I wrote down Adam drinking milk, He's drinking his 2% or whole milk. So, yeah, with the carrot cake. So 2008. Our, our, the, cake, the kind of cake that I'm going to make for our wedding. Carrot cake. <laughs> Why did you just stop? So oh my be, gosh. It you would know be what funny, I wrote down? Funny awkward. Um, because we just we just mentioned Raquel. Um, when they're and when the four of them are actually it's four plus Christina because Chris, Adam and Christina have been together for so long. She's kind of like a she's already a Braverman sibling at that point too. And she was smoking weed with them. Yeah, she's the one who toked up with them. Yeah, so it was the five of them in the schoolyard back there having a conversation. And uh, Julia, when they when Crosby first like rolled the joint, Julia's like, I swear to God, Crosby, if you get me kicked out of this school, I will beat your ass or whatever. And and uh, Crosby was like, well, maybe if you could get out of the school, maybe that hoe won't try to raw dog your <laughs> husband. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, what wow. What is the show rated? Is it I was going to say, I, I can't believe that was on network television. I mean, there's probably they're, they're four, very good. probably fourteen. It really is a family friendly drama for the then, most part. But then, but then Crosby like this, goes, maybe that, ho- which maybe is that great. Ho- I have to say it again. It's maybe more that like ho- real life. Try to raw dog your husband. Yeah, and it's then, more like real and life. Then all the uh, all the people there, like Christina and at, like they all have a react. They're like raw dog. They're like yeah. they have a reaction to raw dog. And Christina's like, what is that? And Adam's like, eh, and it was just all. It was so funny. So what did you learn about becoming braver? Oh, man? you're hitting me with that question. What did you? learn about becoming braver man um from this episode if I anything think doesn't, doesn't have to have anything something that i learned is that 
to become braver man, you need to be willing not just to stick your neck out for yourself, but to stick your neck out for the people you care most about too. Okay, that's fair. Mine would be to accept help from others when they're just trying to help you and they're not in it for any other reason. Mm -hmm. Just accept Or they're even in it just because their dad told them to do it. (laughs) Yeah, but like if Adam didn't want to do it, he he could have said no, especially when he's dealing with the the Max's diagnosis. But he still did it. Yeah. So the intentions are good, so let people help you. Yeah, and well, one other thing I want to mention, though, just something that I wrote down, was when Julia and Sarah are on the phone, and their interactions are funny to me because they're so different, but they're sisters, and so that's what keeps them interacting. If they weren't sisters, they probably would never even speak to each other. They're just so different. Oh, that's the laundry again. Um, but Sarah is trying to find something to wear to this job interview. and Melly, get the laundry! <laughs> Not right. That's what he does. You said first. Belly dinner. Line. You said one I know, per episode. But that was a special um, thing. Okay. So, anyway, Sarah is trying to find something to wear to her interview, and she's very happy that she's got this interview. And Julia's like talking her through it too, because Sarah, Sarah's simultaneously very happy and also very doubtful about like, well, what the fuck do I actually say in this interview? Like. Where have you been for 10 years and all that stuff? And she's being very self-denigrating. And Julia's like, no, you just have to have a, you have to have an angle and you have to have a pitch for everything and blah, blah, blah. You, look you a can certain put a way. spin on it. And yeah, it's important to have, to be dressed for success and to, to show up and look like you're the only person who can do the job. And so Sarah keeps sending her pictures of things that are like clear, clearly in Julia's eyes, less than satisfactory. And like the, like the next, the last one that Sarah sends her, Sarah's like, Oh, did you get that picture? And Julia goes... Yeah, you're in the wrong I think store. I think we're in the wrong store. I like how she says we're in the wrong store because it's like they're shopping together even though Julia's at her office. And I just love that that like... Because Erica Christensen as an actor, like she doesn't always have the mm. funny lines. Mother you may know? I. Yeah, Doug also has a crush on Julia. She was in that movie that she, where she swims a lot. and she Right. Like, you ever seen that one? No, but... She swims in the swimming pool and like... Stocks a guy or something? Yeah. It was really good, though. Anyway, um, I feel like for the most part, she doesn't usually get super funny lines. She's, especially early on in the series, like she's corporate lawyer, corporate mom, like busy, busy, serious stuff. So I just love that that she got that line that was like perfectly delivered and like perf- like so comedic and just like, I think we're in the wrong store. It's yeah. just so, it was so Julia, but it was also so funny. Sarah's not a fashionista. Like, um, well, she's like just Julia. not in that same world. Yeah. Okay, favorite, favorite line, favorite scene, favorite moment, favorite something. Oh my God. <laughs> um, well, I mean, my favorite scene from this show uh, was, was when they were smoking weed because oh, it's, okay. just, uh, it's just a moment uh, away from everything where they're just being regular they're being siblings and, they're, and honestly they're not, only, they're, at that not moment, all of them are even smoking weed that's no, not no. even the point but they're just hanging out they're having Crosby a little fun the joint. Christina for, took a drag that's for those couple minutes they're not parents or anything they're right just, they're just human beings they're just being there mm-hmm. what's your favorite anything well the pirate the I last, knew it. The last scene I knew at it. the end because that's the advice that Dr. Pelican gave to Adam he said, you know, Meet before... Max where he be, is. Stop cutting me off. 
Honey, you keep you stole you you said Julia's line before I could say it. <laughs> like, you keep taking things away from That's me. That's part of our duo. Okay, yeah, well, magical. Feeling the heat right now. Uh-oh. Feeling the chemistry. So magical. Um, anyway, what I was saying was that that was the big advice that Dr. Pelican gave to Adam was you before you can try to make solutions or make new plans or procedures, you have to meet Max where he I is. I said that earlier. And then invite him back into the world. And that advice seemed like so impossible for Adam to receive in that moment because he was still so fixated on solutions at the time. But then we see him actually living that advice. He's in the pirate costume himself. They're out there chasing each other around in the yard. And Christina's watching with her cup of coffee, just a proud mama bear. I just <laughs> love it so much. That's a good scene. Mm-hmm. Your favorite scenes in every episode is going to be when you cry the most. Well, yeah, usually, yeah. Um, okay, Nothing so we're going to wrap up. We're going to remind everyone that if you would like to give us any thoughts or what's a question we want to pose to our listeners this week? Oh, we don't need a question, What was do we? your... Just to get them to email us. We want you to email us at becomingbraverman at gmail.com. Tell us what you would do if your child was diagnosed. <laughs> would you sell your child on the black market if he was diagnosed with a life? That's terrible. I can't even finish. No, we just like comments. Uh, um, we have an Instagram also. We also have an Instagram. At Becoming Braverman. We post uh, two times per week. And just or get, whenever we want. Or whenever we want. But uh, we like comments too. So We love Parenthood. We are obsessed with Parenthood. We just want to talk about Parenthood with anybody. We just want to talk about Parenthood. Anybody that wants the TV to show, the actual thing, we'll take any comments. Parenthood. This was Becoming, Becoming Braverman. Braverman.